Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to know more about this company, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. My co-hosts today are Brad and Carrie Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to learn more about their company, check out MuskieMayhemTackle.com. We don't have any guests today because it's Monday after the Chicago show. And Brad and I had a long weekend. And I'm sure Carrie probably did in the shop, even though she was missed at the show. So no guests today. We will return with a guest next week. We don't know who it is yet, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome because everything about this podcast is awesome, right, Brad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what's really cool, Jeff, is, uh, you know, hearing from all these people at the show over the weekend, how much they have enjoyed the podcast. So, you know, it's positive. So we're doing some good stuff and we got some other stuff that uh, we probably have to work on from the different things that I heard. But all in all, I, I, it was really, really well received. So I, I appreciate all the listeners out there. And it was great shaking your hand. So I'm uh, I'm super happy to hear what I heard over the weekend. Yeah, we had I had the same the same response for the podcast in my booth. I heard a lot. I heard from a lot of listeners, and a lot of people loved it. And everybody wanted to know where Carrie was. I know that I probably had God. It must have been like 300 people asking me where Carrie was. And I had to simply tell her that she's going to have a seminar in Milwaukee, so you'll have to see her there. <laughs> There will be no seminars in Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't do seminars. Well, you got to start, Carrie, all right? I mean, you got to branch out there a little bit. I don't do, <laughs> you know, speaking of seminars, this is kind of a funny story. So I don't consider myself to be a person that should be giving seminars. I literally had a club come up to me and ask me if I wanted to give a seminar for them, not in 2020, so it would be 2021. And I said, all right, well, I'll have to consider it because I don't consider myself – I. It, it just seemed weird to me because people don't ask me to do seminars. This is not something I usually do, but they did. I mean, I feel pretty honored, I guess, that they asked me. So I'll have to consider that. So, Carrie, you should consider that too. No, no public speaking for this kid. <laughs> Podcast is the best you're going to get. Right. So, yeah, Chicago, that was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, thank you for everybody that came out to shop in our booth. We had a great show. Sounds like Muskie Mayhem Tackle had a really good show also. Brad, one one thing I did hear negatively about the podcast is somebody wants us to get Matt and Matt back on the podcast because the last time we had them on, they thought they were going to get some good in-depth information on side imaging, and we talked about 360, and they didn't really want to hear about 360, I guess. So something we're going to have to do in the future. Yeah, we can make time for that. There's no doubt that um, you know we could get really in-depth. And it's interesting because... I've talked to Matt Cook at different times and I would love to see him kind of put together a format to help us through this um, podcast where we could actually get really in depth. And, and if people out there have questions, it'd be a great time for them to start kind of putting a, a list together and get it to us and put it in our hands so that we can go after it. You know, for the listeners, if you guys want more side image talks, so sometimes Brad and I think that we hit on it too much. So this was a little bit surprising to me that we didn't hit on the topic that much because I thought that we do a lot. And sometimes I don't want to, we don't want to over promote or push or whatever, however you want to talk about it. You know, we don't want to hit on one topic too heavily. So if this is something you guys want, let, you know, shoot us an email backlash podcast at gmail.com. And we'll certainly try to hit on more of the topics that you guys want us to hear or want to want us to talk about and that you want to hear. So, you know, like I said, please just drop us an email 
or shoot us a message on Instagram or shoot us a message on Facebook. Backlash Podcast is on both of those platforms. And that way we can try to tailor the podcast to what you guys want to hear. Because, you know, it's not Brad and Carrie and my podcast. It's really for you guys because you guys are the ones that listen. So let us know what you want. And if there's something you don't want and that we talk about too much, then feel free to let us know about that too. And since we're talking about things that you do or don't want, if you could leave us a review on wherever you're at or subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on Podbean, subscribe to us on Spotify so you guys don't miss episodes. Because that was another thing that we had heard occasionally as a guy was like, are you still making podcasts? I'm like, uh, yeah, we like 42 of them or whatever they are. I think this might be 42. But anyways, and, I'm, you know, he couldn't find it on Spotify. So the one thing you can do is the odd thing about the search function on most of these things is if you search for backlash and you put it as one word backlash, you don't find it. But if you search it as backspace lash, then you'll find it. So hopefully that helps anybody try to find the podcast more. Yeah, and I think once you subscribe, I mean, it's it's always going to be there, right? Absolutely. I'm subscribed to Backlash Podcasts and iTunes, and every Wednesday morning, and as long as I actually remember to launch it, unlike the one Kevin Pischke episode where I scheduled it for the wrong day. That doesn't work. But otherwise, I schedule, <laughs> I schedule it for 5 a.m. on Wednesday morning is when it comes out, and usually when I wake up in the morning, it'll say, new podcast available from Backlash Podcast. So then then you're all set. So just hit the subscribe button. If you like what we're doing, give us a rating, you know, on Podbean. I know you can leave comments on the episodes if you want to do that too. That's cool. But, um, so Carrie, last night I teased you about a story about a listener. And so this is a pretty, this is a pretty good story. It's not a super long story, but it's a good story. So the guy came up to me in the booth and he said, Hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm the one that likes and talks on every one of your Instagram posts and your Facebook posts, and I'm like, yeah, how are you doing? He's like, good, I just want to tell you a story about your podcast. He's like, that podcast has really cost me a lot of money. And I'm like, well, you don't have to buy everything that we talk about on the podcast. He's like, well, I know, but I didn't even own a boat before the podcast, and now I have a boat with side imaging and he bought a hummingbird unit and I got to buy all these rods and reels and gear. The dude had never musky fished before in his life until he heard the podcast. And he literally went out and bought everything he needed to go musky fishing, including a boat. Based off of what you two have to say? Yeah. Pretty sad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah, incredible. That's actually. pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I mean, how did he even find the podcast to get started in this whole gig, you know? Well, that part I didn't, that part I wish I would have gotten more involved in, but I didn't. I don't know why. I mean, you know, it is, Brad. You got a lot of people, so you try to only spend so much time with each person talking because otherwise you're hung up for a while and you want to try to talk to as many people as you can. But I said, I didn't ask him how he found the podcast or what made him even want to get involved in it. But that's what he told me. He told me he literally owned nothing to fish. He didn't own no boat, no nothing. And now he owns all of that stuff. So he's probably, I don't know, $50,000 more in debt because of you and me. That's outrageous. So I guess we wrecked wrecked another person's life. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've always said, guiding, you know. I mean, you get somebody a big fish and maybe it's their first fish and it's like, yep, another life ruined. (laughs) Yep. It could be a worse hobby to have. I mean, you could have a worse hobby. Sorry. Into something, at least fishing, fishing you can do with your whole family. And you don't necessarily have to be musky fishing to use your side imaging. 
No. I've seen pan, pan fish on side imaging. I don't pan fish, so. You should try it. It's fun. I'm I'm certain that it is. I do it with my kids a little bit, but not a lot. Last year they they have the kids that I took out all wanted to musky fish, so we didn't do any pan fishing. But usually we do some. I don't know. Maybe ran out of time last year or whatever it was. But I actually should because my buddy Tony Spicker from Brotherhood Baits, he made me a custom, like it's it was a Rapala knife, and it had a wood end on there. And so he custom painted it like one of his baits, and he epoxied the end of it. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. So I should probably at least go pan fishing enough now to use the knife, right? For sure. That's pretty cool. Tony's a talented guy. So Absolutely. <laughs> That's a cool idea. I never would have considered that, but now now I'm going to have to tell him he needs to make me one. I would. The funny part about it is, so he sent me a text like a couple weeks ago, and he's like, hey, do you pan fish? And I was like, this is kind of weird and out of the blue, but I'm like, yeah, I guess when people make me, you know? And then he's like, well, when you go pan fishing, do you use a knife? And now I'm going like, what the heck is wrong with him? Like, why is he asking me these questions? And I'm like, <laughs> you know. I suppose if I'm going to keep one, I'm going to need a knife to clean it. But I'm like, I don't keep that many fish. Like, what? I, did, I don't know. And I was busy getting ready for the show. So I didn't really, I wanted to be like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you, did you mean to text me? Or are you texting the wrong person? Like, what's going on here? And I didn't. Well, that's why he was asking me the question. So I got the answer to that. So I didn't think he was some sort of crazy lunatic because I was starting to think that he was. But <laughs> Well, he might be a tad bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, Tony's right. a great guy. Yeah, he's a little strange yet, but yeah, I would agree. Uh, we should get Tony on the podcast, actually. Yeah, we should at some point. That would be cool. Absolutely, we should. Yeah. He's got a lot of knowledge to share with a lot of people. I got to hang out with him this weekend a little bit and see him. That was good. I got to see I, a lot. I got to see a lot of people. It was a, a good weekend that way. I miss hanging out with Tony. Tony spent a few months here one summer. It was it was a good time. He's always been a good friend of ours. And it's an it's really cool to see what he's doing with Brotherhood. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had some of those in the booth for a little while. He had some little four inch spring fling crankbaits, and we sold out of those things in about fifteen minutes. So that was pretty cool. I've used them before; they work. I've caught muskies on them, mostly trolling, because that's what I do with crankbaits. Right. Well, he he's one. You know, he's kind of like uh, Kevin Goldberg, where he spent some time out east. You know, he's He's over right in there by Indiana, um, Illinois border. But, you know, he spent some time on St. Clair. He gets out to New York a little bit. I think he's even spent some time down in Ohio with Kevin. He's good friends with Kevin. He's bounced around a lot. He's got a bunch of knowledge about a bunch of stuff that even myself, I haven't went and done, you know. Mm -hmm. So it would be a good one. Yeah, I agree. I think it would, too. We can not only get information on bait building and that kind of stuff, but we could also get information on fishing because he's got a lot of that. Hands down. So let's uh, let's talk weather in the show. <laughs> we uh, I left the house when it was, it was snowed, about eight inches, plowed out the driveway, got on the road, and fortunately it was clear to getting to Chicago, but um, after that it got pretty crazy, Jeff. Yeah, I think that our traffic was down on Friday partially because we didn't get a ridiculous amount of snow down there, but... If you drove, well, you didn't stay at the show hotel, right, Brad? No, I didn't. It's probably a good thing because that place is the only nice thing that I'm not trying to rip on Pheasant Run because anybody that's been there recently knows what a dump that place is. But quite honestly, the only thing nice about that thing is their indoor outdoor pool. And if my kids didn't love it so much, 
I would never stay there. We had issues with our key, like the cards to our room almost every single night. One night they had us checking in on Thursday and leaving on Thursday. And I was like, mm, is this one of those kind of hotels? But, you know, so Friday we go to try to, we like, you know, get up in the morning and we leave and we try to come back and use the room and the keys has, us, you know, they're like, oh, well, you were supposed to be gone yesterday. I'm like, well, we are still here, so we need to get in. And we, our confirmation says that we're supposed to be here until Sunday. And then I think it was Saturday morning, they checked somebody else into our room. So they start walking into the room when my wife was in the room. The odd thing is there was no room service, like room service hadn't come to clean the room. So what were they going to do? Check somebody into a room that had just been used the night before? Well, what, what's funny about that, Jeff, I, I'm sure Tony told you, you know, we were just talking about Tony Spicker, but when he checked in on Friday morning um, or around noon or whatever, he gets his card key, he goes to his room and he's got the cart, you know, carrying all of his luggage. Mm -hmm. So he backs into his room. And here's three people sitting in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you about that? No, he didn't. But that would be similar to what happened to whoever was going to come into our room <laughs> when we were already in it. Unbelievable. I've stayed a lot in hotels, but I <laughs> that was a new one for me. That's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So it happened twice that we know of. I'm, I'm guessing it probably happened more. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that it did. And then on Thursday, Jimmy Hallberg and... The couple of guys that he ran with, they got stuck in the hotel elevator. So they had to have the fire department come get him out. I didn't know that one. Jimmy didn't tell me that. He didn't? No. Yeah. But I know Goldberg, his room, the shower wouldn't turn on. And uh, I don't think he could flush his toilet. <laughs> I think I've heard that from a few people there. Oh, man. That's, it's sad, actually, because it, it's a neat complex. You know, it really is. I'm betting back in like 1980, that thing was pretty sweet, but it, it, in 2020, it's not. It's kind of a dump, which is unfortunate because it would be a cool place, but you got to dump millions and millions into that place right now to get it up to where it should be. Well, I think some of it is, you know, some of that hasn't been maintained because it's going up for auction here in a couple of weeks, I guess. So Yeah. Well, Andy wanted to stay last night, and he said he couldn't because they told him they weren't going to have power today. Really? Mm-hmm wild but jeff you said the actual show complex is owned by a separate entity that's what i that's what i was told so as of right now we're still waiting to see what's going to go on with the show location for next year hopefully it'll be back in the mega center where it was this year but obviously there's you know 12 months before we'll be back there again so i don't know we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens i guess in the coming months because like brad said it's up for auction i think Rumor has it it's this week that people that want to bid on it get to walk through it and figure out what's going on or what they want to bid or whatever. So we'll see. But anyway, so get, the reason we aren't talking about Pheasant Run is because we left the complex. So it was super, super slippery on Friday night. So I can see why why traffic was slow. I know that there was – Bill from Slammer Tackle was in our booth on Friday just talking to customers about his product. And he said it took four and a half hours, I think it was, to get back to Milwaukee. So – it wow. was pretty rough out there that day, and fortunately we got lucky, and the weather blew through over the over the night like we had hoped it would. And by mid morning, the crowd in Chicago was really really good. I thought. I would agree, Jeff. I was a little bit scared, you know, when I went to bed that night on Friday. I'm thinking, man, it started raining, and it's raining on top of that snow, and I'm just, this is gonna be bad, you know. But 
honestly, the roads weren't that bad in the morning, and they're a little bit slippery, but Saturday was solid. I mean, we had a good day on Friday as well. The whole show actually turned out really well for us. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I thought it, it could have been, based on the on the weather that we had, it could have been a problem for Saturday even also if guys were scared. But And then the, the set, Sunday crowd is usually kind of slow, and I thought the Sunday crowd was really, really good for a Sunday. Overall, I would say that was a, I mean, that was... For a vendor at a show, if we could do that at every single show, I'd be plenty happy. I would too. You know, I, I think that uh, Mike is doing a decent job and he brought the people. That's all we can ask for. Right. I think the one thing that listeners don't understand is for us, when we go to a show like that, there's a lot of risk, I would say, at it. I mean, not only just, you know, financial risk, but time risk and even even on the financial end of it. The trailers that we pull around and whatever, I mean, if we run into bad travel weather and we potentially have a problem with the, you know, the we smash something up or the trailer gets smashed up. I mean, you know what it is, Brad. There's a lot of money in product in those trailers. So there's a, we run a lot of risk as far as that goes. And not only that, like, you know, for us, I probably spent the majority of the three, the previous three weeks before the show getting ready for the show, you know, taking, because for us, you know, behind the scenes, someday I always want to shoot a video of our shop and let people in on kind of what we do. It's just something we haven't done yet. But like, you know, when during the course of the season, our stuff is all hung up on pegs and it's all in bags and whatever. Well, obviously we can't show it like that. It doesn't show well. So we have to take it all out of bags and we need to price it because none of it's priced in the shop either. So there's a ton of time we spend getting ready to go to the first show. And so if you go to a show and you have a and it's bad and the weather would be bad for a weekend and the show bombs, you know, it's, it's financially, it can be kind of tough on a business. It really can, Joe. Everybody that comes to the show, you know, they've all got the same risk that we are talking about. And, you know, people, I don't think realize these baits cost something on our end too. You know, it's not like it's pure profit when we sell something. So, right. Well, and that's, you know, on that end of it, we have, you know, I don't, we have a couple people that are looking for deals at the show. And I'm like, you know, for us, booth-wise, we rent four booths. And I think to try to get all the guys in our, you know, that help set the booth up and everything, we always end up running like three hotel rooms and, you know, meals and all the expenses that go into these shows. You're in a ton of money. I mean, versus me trying to sell it online, I'm in very little additional money to sell it online. So for me to travel, it's a ton of expense that we need to try to, like the profit margin is, with us selling at retail isn't as high as everybody thinks. Everybody se- would seem to think that you make like, you know, on a $10 on a ten bait, you're going to make five bucks. Not that there's a $10 bait in musky fishing, but just to use a, a, a number that they think that you're going to make five bucks on a $10 bait. And that's just simply not, not the case for us. Yeah, it's, it's very true, Jeff. You know, and I, I think my favorite part of the show is, well, my, my true honest favorite part is talking to the different customers that have had success on my product and so on and so forth. But sarcastically, my favorite part is it never seems to fail, but the travel, I always deal with snow. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's always a challenge, you know, and like last night, it was pretty darn good until we got to about a Claire and we hit snow. And I drove in snow all the way home from that. And so it slowed us way down. And it cost us a good solid hour of travel time. But, man, it just gets interesting. You're driving on ice and snow 
all these shows pulling trailers it's not very fun <laughs> no absolutely not especially even like thursday for us roads were clear but it was so darn windy that trailer was getting pushed around all over the place driving down so i was just thankful that we didn't have snow on top of the wind because that would have just made things treacherous on the, you know heading down and for us you know on the behind the scenes side of the of it it takes us roughly 40 hours to set up our 40 man hours to set up our booth i mean and that's so we need most of the day on Thursday, and then we even need most of the day on Friday, and then for you know till before the show starts. And this particular show was even worse because we had to quit early on Thursday because we tried to jam so much stuff in the forty foot booth that we actually had to go get more peg hooks. We got so lucky that there was even a place down there that sells pegs for grid because typically Menards and those types of places they don't sell what we're looking for. They'll sell it for like pegboard but not necessarily grid wall. So we got super lucky that we were able to get 400 pegs on Friday morning, but so that kind of gave us a little bit of a rough start because we had to go try to run around and find these peg hooks so we could actually continue to set up the booth. You got too many baits, Jeff. Oh, I won't disagree at all. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and then the customer's saying you don't have enough. Well, you know? and, and that's funny because, you know, typically at every show, try to gauge what we need to have at the show. You know, so we kind of look back on sales history from the previous year online, and then we kind of look back on what we sold at previous shows. So, for example, last year we brought triple Ds and double Ds from Drifter Tackle to every single show. And we sold zero triple Ds and double Ds at the shows. So for this year, we said, okay, triple Ds and double Ds, they're out. Then last year we sold smoker tackle ss chads we had them at every single show and we sold almost none of them at, at those shows so i'm like all right they're out so what do you think people were asking for this year it never fails jeff you can't ever win that you can't guess what people are looking for no we can't we always lose i mean we we guess a lot because we carry a lot obviously we try to bring as wide of a variety as we can both in colors and products and different products and try to bring stuff that uh, we know the vendors aren't necessarily at the show so we try to do those, but man, it's, uh, it's difficult for us to make all the right choices and it never fails. We're going to choose something wrong. And then, so next show in Milwaukee, we'll maybe make an adjustment on something that didn't sell well in Chicago. We'll make an adjustment. And then inevitably in Milwaukee, whatever we took out of the, out of the set from Chicago, people are going to be like, well, what happened to that bait? Don't you, don't you carry that one this year? <laughs> so it's a battle that we can't win. Yeah. You, you. You're never going to figure that one out. We've tried to figure that one out for 15 years, Jeff. Yeah, I've only been doing it for five, and I still haven't found it out. I don't think I ever will. No? You know, one thing we didn't talk about yet about the Chicago show is I think certain company that we're talking to took home some hardware. Brad, you want to talk <laughs> a little bit about that? Uh, I sure can. We're pretty proud of it. Pretty cool little deal that uh, Mike started doing with the, the Chicago show. And that is uh, a new product category. And of course, our category is bucktails. And we put the new rabbit girl on the uh, the voting chop block, if you will. <laughs> and so we put uh, both the single and the double bladed rabbit girl out there. And the vendors all get to vote on who wins that prize. And we won the division of bucktails. And then from there, we won the show Best of show. Best of show as well for, for new products. So it was a pretty cool deal. 
you know, and the neat thing is, is he gives out a couple of neat little trophies for each division, as well as a, a big grand champion um, best in show. So we brought both of them home, which we're really proud of. Yeah, you should be. It's impressive. It's it's cool that Mike does that because, you know, it, it spawns some different ideas and people are thinking, hey, how am I going to get that next year? I feel really fortunate that all the vendors agreed and voted for us. So it was, it was a really cool deal. So hopefully on your long ride home from Chicago yesterday, you decided that or you, you brainstormed some ideas on how you're going to win it a second year in a row. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Jeff, I think I mentioned this to you probably three months ago. We are working on a couple different things that uh, could, could make some changes in the industry, but I don't know if it's going to be ready for next Chicago show. It might take an extra year, but we like to test our stuff. We always uh, want to make sure that the product is is quality, high quality, and um, that we're not going to have issues with it once it goes out to the consumer. But uh, yeah, who knows? You never know what we might come up with. So you mean to tell me, Brad, that you guys actually test your stuff? Because rumor has it that there was a company in Chicago, I won't mention the company name or anything about it because I didn't see the product. I didn't know anything about it, but I was apparently sent a couple links to a, to this. And I guess they readily admit that they've never caught muskies on their product before. So it seems strange that you guys would even bother. <laughs> well, you know, one of our, our big things that we've always believed in is quality. And if you don't have a quality product, it's only going to be found out and you're not going to sell anything. It's just the way it works. But you know, there's times when we'll spend two to five years on a, on a certain thing before we do something with it. I think a great example of it would be our 10.9. Um, there were some other companies out there that were doing multiple blades, different size blades, I should say, in a combination on their baits. But, you know, the crazy thing for us was, is that I was doing some of that as well, but I was never happy with the way that they would first kick in, you know, you want those blades as soon as they hit the water to start turning, right? When we did that, actually Herbie, I don't know, most people probably know Herbie, he used to own uh, Andy Myers Lodge and he's still up there guiding. A great, uh, great guy in the industry for lots of different reasons. But anyway, Herbie is like, Brad, this is what you need to do. I did it and the bait was incredible. I find it so important to make sure that those, you know, our products are going to be quality. That's what it's all about. I, I'll wait an extra year. I don't need to make money on something that it's going to bomb one year later. I want stuff to have longevity, and the way of doing, of doing that is by testing. That's funny. You want to associate with quality products, but yeah, you got your name on this trashy podcast. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was by default. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be trashy, Jeff. Yeah, it happens sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're far from that, Joe. Uh, I try. Give yourself some credit. We try. We try. I mean, again, like I said, so this, this episode hasn't been overly educational. We're hoping it was, you know, mildly fun to hear the stories about Chicago. But don't worry. We are. Education is still our main focus here at Backlash Podcast. We're going to get into that yet. Occasionally, we're going to get off topic on stuff like this because it's relevant musky news. So that's why we're at this today. The but, educational part on this is that you're not going to become a millionaire if you become a bait builder. <laughs> nope. There's the education. There you go. You're not going to be if you're a retailer either. Right. Hey, Brad, did you happen to hear any funny any funny stories at the at the Chicago show? You got any funny stories to tell? Because if you don't, I got at least one. 
Well, the funniest one was the Tony Spicker deal and then uh, the Kevin Goldberg, and we already kind of touched on that. Throw one out there for us, Jeff. Okay, well, so I was... I'm trying to think what day it was. It was yesterday. It was yesterday, shortly before we closed. I was going around a couple different booths, and one of the booths I stopped at. I'm talking to the guy, and he's like, hey, did you happen to hear about our booth mishap? And I'm like, "Um, no, but typically there's maybe one of those out every single show. He's like, well... We were setting up the booth and we started loading it up and we forgot to put the braces on the front or whatever. He's like, next thing I know, the booth falls over on top of my buddy. He's got about 82 baits stuck in him. And I was oh, like, man. hmm, it reminds me a little bit like, okay, so it was, I'll rip on myself for a little bit. So, you know, at one point in time, we didn't construct the booth as well as what we have it constructed now. The way our booth is constructed now, you could literally walk around like you could Try to climb the booth. In fact, usually we hang on it before to make sure everything's going to be okay. So we'll literally jump on the side of it to make sure it doesn't fall over. But we weren't always so good about this. Brings us to, well, we've, we've had two, two mishaps. Brings us to Minnesota, our first year in Minnesota. I don't remember what year that was. So we started in 2014. I guess it would be March-ish of 2015. That's my guess. At that point, we had done the Wausau show, and Minnesota was our second show ever. So Wausau, we did one booth, and then Minnesota, we did a booth and a half. We shared it with Bill from Monster Lures when he owned Monster Lures. So we're setting the booth up, and we're like, oh, man, I don't know that we have enough, potentially have enough grid pieces to set this entire booth up the way we pro- probably should. We're like, oh, well, I think this is going to be bra- braced plenty fine. It'll be fine. So we start hanging baits on it. Well, come about 6 o'clock, we stuck one too many racks of pounders on it, and the booth starts falling over on us. So I got to quick hold it up and tell my buddy Kyle, like, hey, Kyle, get over here as fast as you can. Get these pounders off this thing. He starts pulling pounders off there, and the booth is up still, but kind of wobbly. And then we're in that gymnasium over there. So they happen to have some dumbbells, like the the weights that you put on a dumbbell, you know, just round with the hole in the middle. So we grab yep. a couple bars that we would use for hanging sweatshirts, and we start clipping those to the back side of the booth. And we start hanging these weights on there. Okay, so that's enough for it stabilized for the day. So that night, we had to go to Menards to find some sandbags to counterweight this booth. So that the booth didn't fall over during our first Minnesota show because we didn't have this thing properly constructed. Fortunately, we made it through. Everything was fine. So then you would think that we would learn a lesson, right? Make sure everything's fine. Back in the day, we used to do like, like towers in the booth like three-sided, just triangles. I'm sure you've seen them often. Yep. A lot of guys use them. We usually, we're, usually we're smart enough to, to make sure that we hang on one, you know, hang baits on one side and then get that partially going while we hang on the other side. Well, for whatever reason, we didn't think of it. Steve Jensen's hanging Medusa's, and next thing you know, the rack falls off on, over to him, and he's got 12 Medusa's stuck on him. So we're trying to peel Medusa's off of him without getting him, you know, maimed with any hooks and luckily we were able to manage to to save him too i can understand how it happens but it's still funny when i hear the stories oh it's crazy i uh i can think of a year and it's been quite some time but brad rue you know you know what kind of spread he has at the shows yep with monkey innovations and you know that rubber first year just because we didn't really know brad then yeah, we didn't know brad real well i mean i i knew him but i didn't know him real well so it's been a long time but you know how much rubber weighs and you know he puts on a pretty big spread at the show so he had everything set and he was standing there just visiting and i watched it 
it just started going and I ran in there and I grabbed a hold of the wall and a couple other guys that were with us grabbed the wall and basically same thing. I mean, fortunately it didn't go far enough where we ended up getting hooked, but Kevin did go a little bit. Oh, Kevin did he? wrote a bit. Okay. Yeah. Not but, bad. Cause I pulled him out of him, but, yeah. but he, he had base light on him. Yeah. It was pretty wild. And then last year, I know that uh, Joe Peterson, True Glide, I don't know if you heard that one from last year in Chicago, but he, for whatever reason, he always has a whole crew of people that want to buy his product. And so he basically is trying to limit, like, say, two or four baits per person. And if you want more, get back in line because he always has, has a line for Friday. Yep. And boom, 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 he sells out pretty much the first day, right? He had these guys that were going so crazy and literally tipped his whole deal right over. His whole display was tipped over and it crashed on the other side of the, you know, backside of the, uh, the backdrop or whatever yep. and ended up uh, knocking over the other guys on the other side. I can't remember what that guy had. Do you remember, Jeff? I don't. I remember hearing the story though. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was like, it wasn't the Ginsu knife, but it was basically something like that, you know? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that guy wasn't real pleased. But so the crowd can sometimes get a little wild too and knock some stuff over. So you got to watch it. Yeah. Now, now we're, I don't want to put us at the expert booth builder level, but we're pretty solid. Our towers aren't going to, we don't use towers anymore. Now we just put like another panel up and then we put a couple like bridges almost out to the main structure and it's, now, now you don't have to worry. Our our stuff's pretty well constructed nowadays, but it took a little while. Like anything else in this that you do in life, you got to learn a couple lessons, and we learned some lessons in the early going. Well, I would I would say this: I would praise you on the way that your booth looked over this past weekend. It was incredible, Jeff. And Team Rhino went to the next level. I mean, it was insane how much stuff you had yeah. and uh, offered to the public. So. I I appreciate that. I mean, we certainly try. Obviously, you got everybody that knows me should know that we try to strive to be the best that we can i mean much like you guys do with your stuff and your products and your displays you guys strive to be the best that you can obviously we we try to do that too and we want to put our best foot forward and kind of like closing out the podcast here pretty quick i uh like i said i want to thank everybody again that came out and supported us i mean not only like like i said i thought our booth looked pretty good but i mean it was good that we got the support from the people that came out and Want to buy stuff from us and check our stuff out and talk podcast, talk YouTube, all those things. I had a lot of positive comments. And we had 800 stickers for that show, and we left Chicago with zero. So there's 800 more TRO stickers running around out there, too. And hopefully guys don't just throw them in the trash and they use them for something. But, you know, like I said, we're happy that people actually come out and support the company. It's one thing for us to do everything that we do. But it couldn't be possible without all of their support, both financially and just, you know, the comments and everything that they do. Everything that if people ask me all the time, they're like, you know, your company seems to be growing well. And I said, yeah, but it couldn't do it without you guys because I don't, you know, to be honest with everybody, I don't take any paychecks from Team Rhino Outdoors yet. I still haven't. And that's why our inventory continues to grow because we put everything we can right back into the company, either more colors, more manufacturers, more different products. I mean, even just this last week alone, how many new products we have up. I'm still working on updating the website. I'm going to be trying to do some of that stuff tomorrow. But 
Uh, Musky Mayhem Tackle just sent us, I think it was seven new colors, right, Carrie? Yeah, some of them are actually pretty cool, too. I did good this year. You did. Except for this one, the one with orange blades and that blue, I think we call it tannic ice. Jensen was ripping on me. He said, who came up with this color? <laughs> I'll make myself one of them and prove him 100% wrong this summer. He's an idiot anyways. I wouldn't even listen to him. <laughs> Uh, you know what? That, what's funny about that is is we had a friend, and him and his brother fish together all the time. And and one brother was all about like normal colors. The other brother was all about as ugly as you could possibly get. And they'd fish together. And the older one would make fun of the younger one because it was the younger one who always had the wild colors. And the younger one would often outfish him with his ugly colors. So you just never know. I agree, and I don't think it's ugly. I actually like it. I think it's good. I think all seven colors that we have this year are good. I'm not so much into the purple, but somebody's going to be into it. It's going to be cool, and I don't know when people hear this podcast on Wednesday, I don't know if they'll be all the way updated. You could actually order the new colors on the website. That part's already up, but the colors, the pictures that go with it aren't aren't there yet. Hopefully tomorrow I can get get that stuff done if anybody cares this is the monday after the chicago show i'm still half asleep and i'm sure brad is too because the one thing we hadn't talked about is how beat you get physically from going to these shows you wouldn't think that it would be so bad because it's not like i mean yeah you gotta set your booth up you gotta take it down but it's a lot of late nights you know on friday night when you get done at eight o'clock you go to dinner and come back and it's well after 10 o'clock and then you usually don't go to bed immediately and you got to be back up at seven o'clock or so in the next morning to go do it again. And you know, I'm an idiot. So my kids were like, Hey dad, do you want to go swim in the pools open till midnight? And I'm like, heck yeah. Why don't we go swimming for a couple hours? We get out of the pool at, I don't know, quarter after 12 at night. I got to go back up to my room and shower and get ready for bed. And then we're up at seven to go to breakfast. So you do that for a few days over, not to mention, most of us probably have sleep deprivation before we even leave for the shows because of, you know, the preparation that we need to do to get out of the door. One day, my goal is to just be able to sit on the couch on a Wednesday night before the show, and that's never happened for me yet. I think it was, I think I went to bed at 1.30 and had to be up at 5 to leave for Chicago. So it's it's rough that way. It's totally brutal. <laughs> no question that the hours get piled upon hours. And, and some of it's my own fault. I think... Uh... You know, you start having a good time at, after the show closes. You start talking to different people. And and it's some of these people you only see once a year. So you get in conversation, and the next thing you know, the time just blows by, and, and you're not getting the amount of rest you should. That's part of the gig. There's no doubt about that. You don't have to be in Chicago to have that problem. You're right, Carrie. I like to stay up late. That's true. So, I've been... Hey, um, Jeff, back to your purple comment. Ask Brad what his most productive color in who was last year hey brad what was your most productive color last year <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure if i was going to make you literally ask but <laughs> uh, why not <laughs> uh purple nice <laughs> but purple has always been a big fish color i've always done very well with purple flash boots quite honestly I, I, I think people that don't have some purple in their tackle box are missing the boat out on green bay back in the day purple was the color i used purple crankbaits with orange bellies you probably, we call it TRO purple perch in a lot of cases. That color is green Bay. All that, that is green Bay. If you do not, and I don't know if it still holds true today, but. Well, I know it does over there for walleyes. 
So yeah, but um, that was a purple and orange like that was really good over on Leech too, and we I've done well with it here. Typically, we're purple gold, but purple and chartreuse too. Yeah, I've done all right with purple and chartreuse also. I think purple is an underrated color, honestly. I would agree. So for you guys, other than the single girl, anything else new that for Musky Mayhem this year? The rabbit girl. Or, sorry, rabbit girl, not yeah, single girl. What am I talking about? That was last year. Yeah. You know, it, last year we came out with the Moon Series, and it's been really solid, and as well as the single girl. And this year, you know, we purchased the rabbit squirrels from Bill Beekner with Monster Lures. So we have the rabbit squirrel line, the original rabbit squirrel line. And from there, you know, it kind of spawned into, hey, how can we do this in Flashaboo? And so we came up with the the rabbit girl, which is basically a rabbit squirrel that's Flashaboo. So it, it's very, very similar. I mean, it stands out the same way that the squirrel hair does, but it's Flashaboo. And it became an incredible bait. We, we fished with it this whole last fall, and there was a ton of fish caught on it. So... It turned out good, and that's pretty much what we have new for for 2020 anyway. Sure. For people that are going to come see us in Milwaukee, or even on our website, there's a few new products this year. Two of them are on the website already. So we have the 5-inch Slammer Shallow Minnow, which is a pretty cool early season shallow running crankbait. We're getting that 2 to 3 foot range. I think we offer it in 19 different colors, affordably priced. I think it's like $12.50 or $13, something like that, which anybody that looks at musky crankbaits knows that that thing is ridiculously cheap. And then, but not quality-wise, it's not a cheap piece of junk. It's through wire construction, solid plastic. And a couple other things that we had that were new for this year. Um, and aside from colors, like I said, we have, we've added new colors in Drifter Tackle, Musky Mayhem Tackle, and a few other products, but those are the biggest ones for that I can think of right now. Oh, Lungeon Lures, we added a bunch of new colors. And speaking of lunge and lures, so they have the new 50 cal crankbait. If you watch Keys Outdoors at all, he had some action on it in second episode, I believe. So the 50 cal is new for this year. And the one that's not on our website yet is the TNA Tackle Shredder. If anybody's familiar with their Angry Dragon, they basically have a, it's a chatterbait combination bucktail for 2020. That's pretty cool. And that should put some fish in the boat for this year. So those are things to check out for upcoming shows and on our website. Other than that, Brad and Carrie, we got anything else you want to talk about with Chicago Show? No, just a huge thank you to everybody that came out. Had a blast visiting with everybody. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of those same faces probably in Milwaukee as well and, and many others. You know the face that I'm looking forward to seeing the, the most in Milwaukee? Come, Here we go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody else is too, Carrie. There was literally like 300 people that asked me for you, asked about you this weekend. <laughs> The 300 might be an exaggeration, Jeff, but there is always a ton of people looking for Carrie. Yeah, 300 might have been a little exaggeration. It might have been like 289. I don't know. Yeah. I was just using round numbers. Right. I think you hit it there. Yeah. 289. So, Brad, Carrie, if anybody wants anything about Musky Mayhem Tackle, what's the best way to go about doing that? You can find us on Facebook or Instagram. And then, or at our website at muskymayhemtackle.com. How about YouTube? You can, what do you got going on YouTube? Oh, yeah, YouTube, too. We have, actually, we released our first video. I believe our second video will be coming soon. I'm pretty sure it was in my inbox to look at it from the editor again. 
and I think there'll be a few more after that even. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be more after that. We actually have a little blooper one that we're going to be pumping out here really quick. Yeah. Which is uh, basically just outtakes of footage that's uh, from different filming that we've done. So that was pretty funny. It's a little short video, but I think there'll be some laughs, and I think people will enjoy it. Absolutely. I know I, I liked the last video you guys put out. I thought it was really well done. Well, thank you. Well, I was just going to say, and then shortly behind that blooper, we will pump out another one. And we'll, we'll talk about it more on the Backlash podcast here once uh, once it's released and, of course, on our social media. So people will be, be in tune with what's going on. Yep. And for Team Rhino Outdoors, if you're looking for either custom colors or some stock colors in for your next musky trip or 2020 musky trips, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. We carry a whole lineup of a lot of stuff as evidenced by our booth. And like I said, the most peg hooks we ever took to a, to a show, I think was 700 in Chicago. We set up 1200 peg hooks worth of stuff. And that is barely scratching the surface as what we have on our website. So check that out. www.teamrhinooutdoors.com. You can also find team Rhino outdoors on YouTube Finally, the show's stuff is over, and I've been promising it. We put out a video a few weeks back with me and Jeff Van Remortal caught a couple fish, so you can check that out. Otherwise, we have new stuff coming. It should hopefully come regularly now. And once you get past show number one, things move a lot smoother. So on top of YouTube, you can find us on Facebook, Team Rhino Outdoors, Instagram, Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to, you can email us, teamrhinooutdoors at gmail.com. If you have any questions on inventory or anything else, Team Rhino Outdoors related, and then Backlash Podcast. You can find Backlash Podcast on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and TuneIn Radio, and Overcast. And that would be it for Backlash Podcast. We want to once again thank everybody for coming out to the show this weekend. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for your comments on the podcast. Thanks for the support of the Team Rhino Outdoors. And uh, we'll catch you guys all next week. Thanks, Brad and Carrie, for coming out and spending a few minutes with me. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jeff. We'll, uh, we'll get everybody next week. Take care, everyone.